TCL shares interesting foldable phone concepts, and more coming up on today's episode of Relays and Tech News. Hey Gadget here, you're just in time for the latest episode of the world's only 3-in-1 show on tech, gadgets, and gaming news. That's right, this is Relays and Tech News. My name is Taylor American. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button right now so that you don't miss out on the latest episode. We uh, cover the latest in tech, gadgets, gaming usually a couple articles a piece and uh well if uh you're new welcome if you're a long time subscriber welcome back um as always if you happen to find anything interesting or or entertaining or or fun or new that you learned about feel free to share this episode with a friend um we got a lot lined up today actually not a lot uh, a couple stories a piece each i don't know <laughs> As I was explaining to my wife um, prior to the show, I was complaining a little bit because I was like, where's all the gadget and, and, and gaming news? I mean, it feels a little bit sparse, doesn't it? I mean, right around this time, it typically does. But I thought that there's going to be at least something interesting gadget wise. I'm sick and tired about talking about phones. Something else cool, please. Uh, thank you. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about the TCL interesting foldable phone concepts see there we go right on cue and <laughs> followed up by uh, we'll be taking a look at uh, google search results will be fully optimized for mobile first content come september which is interesting for a couple reasons and uh while you might not think it's relevant i think it is and i'll explain why in just a couple minutes we'll also be taking a look at google stadia rolling out 4k streaming on the web we'll also be taking a look at well the inevitable collision of gaming and athleisure. If you don't know what that word is, we'll be getting to that in just a couple minutes. Also, Pokemon Go is getting a competitive league this month. I know, I was surprised too, but apparently now we can take on Team Rocket or be Team Rocket. I don't know. And finally, we'll be taking a look at, well, a game, a mobile app game called literally just mowing uh for good bad or otherwise this is quite an entertaining story so we'll be getting into all of that and everything that it entails but before we do let's take a look back on today in tech history all right today is march 5th 2020 before i can get to what happened today in tech history i do have to mention thank you uh (laughs) You know who you are for pointing out yesterday an important piece of tech history that I missed. The PlayStation 2 just celebrated its 20th anniversary yesterday, March 4th. I completely missed it. Um, How I collect my sources on it, apparently they let me down, so I'm going to have to fire them and hire a new one. Uh, So thank you for apprising me of that situation. But yeah, as of yesterday, the PlayStation 2 celebrated 20 years so that was yesterday today march 5th in 1995 the yahoo search engine officially launches on the internet 13 months later which is quite impressive at the time yahoo will hold its ipo at a price of 13 dollars per share yahoo stock will peak at 475 dollars in january 2000 and fall to eight bucks two cents in September of 2001. So yeah, it was quite a volatile time. But anyways, Yahoo! Also, 
On this day in 1975, the Homebrew Computer Club holds its first meeting. Many people who played an important part in the early years of personal computing attend meetings of the Homebrew Computer Club during its history. Now, perhaps no meeting was more important than the one that took place almost exactly one year after the first. Steve Wozniak brought his design for what eventually becomes the Apple One personal computer and uh, interesting uh results and technologies came out of that meeting so with that out of the way let's head on over to today's feature article okay so i know what you're saying tcl who are they well tcl communication is quite a fast-growing brand of tv uh, manufacturers here in the u.s but now they're wanting a slice of the phone market and it's not afraid to push the envelope to get it. And yes, yes, in case you're wondering, we do have images and uh, maybe a video that goes along with it too. So technewsgadget.net is where it's at if you want to get access to uh, further details. The company took the wraps off of two foldable device concepts. One, well, different from the one it showed at CES 2020 earlier this year in January. The first has a trifold display. Think of the uh, triple-folded paper brochure that you get at state parks, except replace the paper with a phone. That's kind of, what the? Wise looking. Apparently, the phone was interesting enough that she wanted to take a look, too. Um, <laughs> it's one of the first concepts we've seen with two separate hinge mechanisms working simultaneously, converting a 6.65-inch phone into a 10 inch tablet which is quite impressive and yes here it is on the screen for you to see and uh, drool over if you will um the author here this article comes to us from wired got to play around with a prototype it feels very rough around the edges namely it's stiff and tough to unfold but the device veritably went from a traditional looking fold phone into an ipad like tablet you can also fold one-third of the screen away for the times you don't need the maximum available amount of screen space. You can easily see yourself unfolding this in a coffee shop, pulling out a slim Bluetooth keyboard to type up some words instead of lugging around a laptop. So, you got that going for you. Unfortunately, with so much folding going on, it's a very thick phone. Around the chunkiness of Samsung's Galaxy Fold, if not more. It's not terribly fun to use one-handed. Maybe that might be the point. Maybe not. And might have some work to do there. That's why the second concept is a little more interesting. It's not exactly a foldable phone. Rather, a phone with a rollable screen, as TCL puts it. It looks just like an ordinary smartphone with a 6.75-inch screen, but spectacularly, you can tug on the right edge of the handset to roll out more display and increase the screen real estate to 7.8 inches. About as much as the iPad mini with no folding required this design keeps the phone really thin at 0.35 inches they did look at a dummy unit um they had uh manually extend the screen but tcl said it has a motorized version that automatically does it but it doesn't look like there's uh any pictures here that go along with it so interesting since tcl manufactures its own displays the company has gone wild playing around with various form factors it has more than three dozen other concepts floating around in its factories however it's likely the two concepts being unveiled today as well as the wallet-like foldable device that debuted at ces will never make it to market 
We're not shy to show some of these ideas to engage in a discussion, get your feedback, and to learn, says Stefan Strait, General Manager of Global Marketing at TCL. We believe this is much more important than just putting a product out. Keep the volumes low, charge a very high price, and make the consumer a beta user and pay for it. That's not TCL style. This testing phase lets the company identify which types of foldable phones resonate with people the most. Once it nails down a particular design and form, there's apparently a leading candidate so far, but the TCL ain't telling. But they do intend to create a portfolio of foldables that gives several options to buyers. So being patient also gives the company more time to figure out exactly how to make it more affordable foldable, <laughs> as well. Most of the products we've seen from the likes of Samsung, Lenovo, Motorola, and Huawei started at, well, right around $1,300, $1,400 and went all the way up to $2,700. It's far more expensive than some of TCL's most popular TV. Um, and according to their head of global strategic communications, they're not here to make a novelty product. They're here to make innovation accessible. So it's interesting. What do you guys think? Um would you want to actually see one of these concepts, prototypes actually come to market? Is there another idea maybe floating around that uh, you think TCL's playing around with that uh, might actually be what they're looking at innovation-wise? What might actually come to market? I don't know. Let me know down in the comment section what your thoughts are. Yes, this is a YouTube video for those of you listening. So um, I am interested in that. But if, but if you're listening, I understand. Uh, we are on Twitter at Tech News Gadget. Let's move on to the next story. All right. So next up, Google search results will be fully optimized for mobile-first content in September. The company's long-term mission is to prioritize mobile content, finally reaching its endgame, and it has nothing to do with the Avengers movie. Um, so... Why is this important? You're like, oh, Taylor, I don't want to hear about this kind of stuff. Well, it's interesting me, so we're going to talk about it, okay? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's actually interesting because it it helps provide a bigger picture, as it were, to where companies are leaning and, and what they're investing more money in and what they're actually bringing to market and, and what the, happens once the user base adopts it. So one of which is Google. Google started out on a computer a desktop search engine. Now they have to figure out how do we adapt to mobile, and they're doing a pretty good job of it, but Google has been working on mobile-first web indexing for nearly half a decade. Although 70% of all websites surfaced within search results today are optimized for mobile devices, that lingering 30% means mobile users still land on unwieldy desktop-only interfaces far too often. To ensure the best browsing experience for everyone, Google is switching to mobile-first indexing for all websites starting in September of 2020. Now, this announcement serves as a warning to any web developer developers who have yet to implement mobile capability on their sites. For many an antiquated pages, well, it can be achieved by redesigning the website using responsive web design, Google-recommended option, dynamic serving, or designating separate URLs, or for crying out loud, you could also get AMP or, or something installed for free and, and simple and, and mobile-friendly interface. It's, it, it's really easy to do, and if you haven't done it by this point, it, uh, why not? After one of these methods has been implemented, Google then needs to crawl the new site with a smartphone Googlebot and update its search index before it can finally offer mobile results for users. 
From now until September, Google plans to continue to activate mobile-first indexing on websites as they become optimized. The search giant didn't outline what will happen to non-mobile websites after September 2020, but it's safe to assume that they'll be buried in a long-lost abyss of forgotten results and, and pages and pages gone by. So, yeah, um, with everybody moving to a smartphone, I mean, it just looks better from like a consumer standpoint. If you have a website, make it mobile-friendly. It, it just makes it that much easier to use. I mean, I understand the desktop appeal, but more people are moving to mobile every single day, so... Please hop on that if you're designing websites for clients and please, please continue to get the word out there. And if you're a business owner or, 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 you know, somebody runs a business or, uh, or you're going to complain about a website because it's not mobile friendly. Well, you should probably hop on the ball and, uh, upgrade. I know it's super difficult. It's really difficult it, it, in, in some cases, in a vast majority of cases, I'm going to show you how diff difficult it is to upgrade to mobile friendly sites light switch flick on flick off i'm kind of doing like a visual representation of turning on and off the light switch on it's that easy on off it's that easy do you get my point okay okay i got it it's just sometimes I have sorry I have to rant a little bit okay I had a really bad Overwatch game earlier today but I finally won one and it's still stupid and then I have to listen to all this other stuff and people complaining about this that and the other thing I, you know what I don't have time to hear about complaints anymore just go do it okay I had a podcast like a couple days ago on my main website channel that is mobile friendly uh, where I just said just go for it just do it anyways you wouldn't get it unless you actually were listening to that episode, but you're here to learn about tech news, not about me whining, complaining about stuff. But anyways, now that I'm done with ranting on that, let's head on over to, well, the next article we got lined up. All right. Google Stadia. Good news here. Yes, they are rolling out 4K streaming on the web. And speaking of the web, um, did you know this show is available as a podcast? Yes. Head on over to latestintechnews.com or in the podcast app of your choice. Type in Latest in Tech News and uh, you can subscribe on the go on the web. And and somehow it, you'll be interconnected via your smartphone to the show and stay updated and uh, current on the daily events of the day. Google is finally fulfilling a key promise for Stadia by rolling out 4K gaming on the web. And I know what some of you are saying. Oh, it's a little bit too late whatever <laughs> google stadia apparently doesn't care according to nine to five google and several reddit users you'll need a stadia pro subscription and a fast internet connection to use a feature with google specifying a minimum excellent connection over 35 megabytes per second however nine to five google reports that it was able to get 4k working with good and even okay internet speeds until now the only way to access 4k gaming was by using a chromecast ultra with a television now if it's working on the web you should see a noticeable bump in quality. You can confirm it by opening the in-game menu, hitting Shift-Tab, or using the Stadia button on your controller, where you should see a green 4K icon under Data Usage. See, the main problem was 4K streaming has been a thorny issue for Stadia. As Engadget noted last month, a key part of Google's pitch was that Stadia could hit 4K at 60 FPS. However, that resolution isn't supported on key games like Red Dead Redemption 2 and Destiny 2, something that Google didn't make clear. Instead, players had to figure out which title supported 
4K for themselves. Also, games that do not support 4K appear to be running at a lower resolution than, get this, native 4K games on a PC. So Google recently boosted the number of Stadia games by 5, added key features like screenshot and clip downloading. Several key features are still missing, though, including support for wireless Stadia controllers on the web and expanded Google support, uh, well, assistant support, that is. Google still hasn't made 4K Stadia play on the web official, but the fact that a lot of players are seeing the feature means that an official announcement could be imminent. So, for those of you playing Google Stadia, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know it had a little bit of a rocky start. I actually haven't had a chance to test it out, but generally the feedback has been positive about it. Um, but people have been complaining about, oh, I have to buy the game on top of having a subscription? Well, and Forget it. I thought this was like the Netflix repository for games. It's actually reminding me more about Audible now. <laughs> well, there you go. I guess uh, I guess you can have your cake, but you have to pay to eat it. Um, it's really not that bad. I mean, depends on how you want to consume your content and play your game. Um, if you just want to do PlayStation, then PlayStation. If you just want to do PC, then do that. If you want to have fun starting out on something new... Well, you have xCloud and Stadia, so take your pick. Okay, um, before we go any further, just wanted to say, doesn't it look good? Doesn't it feel good to just, like, lay around the house, play video games all day, get paid to do it? You don't know how what that feels like? I don't, don't worry, I don't either but apparently uh it's becoming a thing um looking good and and feeling comfy and feeling good while gaming for millions from your armchair your bed or wherever um you're live streaming well (laughs) has kind of brought forth a an entirely new kind of clothing line called athleisure it's not really for athletic types i mean it is but it's for leisure now you get it. So, spurred on by um, streamers becoming mainstream celebrities, major fashion brands are itching to cash in this uh, quickly growing industry, ironically enough. In a cavernous former bank in Soho, New York, Fortnite pro Nate Hill was gaming in front of a live audience of dozens when, over Fortnite's voice chat, a teammate asked if he'd ever modeled at New York Fashion Week. Yeah, I've done that a bunch of times, said Hill, scoping in on an enemy. Not a fan. Hill, 25, was a full-time model until he signed with the esports organization FaZe Clan in 2018. Now he games live on camera for a living and, professionally, looks good doing it. At D-Cave, a pop-up gaming event thrown by Diesel North America, CEO Stefano Rosso, Hill wore a blue champion hoodie with a colorful Pac-Man ghost down the sleeves and well-fitting, tight, washed, skinny jeans. His clean white Puma sneakers were adorned with Tetris blocks and yellow sunglasses framed his fox-like face. So many kids that are gamers are really into fashion, Hill said in an interview with Wired. They're looking up to people like us who do both. And I think they want to do that as well. It's uh, kind of passe to even mention the stereotypes of gamers in fraying threads pale from basement binges, but in conversations at D-Cave, Rosso's new lifestyle melting pot for esports fanatics, some attendees didn't hesitate. Most references to that phantom slob weren't accusations, they're points of contrast. Attendees here look nice. A pair of red Nike Jordan 4s, tailored sweatpants, a gray Adidas sweatshirt with blue details that Played off blue flecked Adidas sneakers. 
a champion beanie with a matching champion hoodie. Now, despite the patent of money, the fashion on display at DCAFE was not an enormous athletic shift from the at-home gamer uniform of sweaty, cozy sweatpants and a worn in sweatshirt. Right now, athleisure and streetwear are having a moment and intersecting with the corporate mainstreamification of gamers. So it's just really interesting um, I don't thing going on right now. Um, athleisure is an outgrowth of sportswear, said Deidre Clemente, a fashion historian and professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. While sportswear was originally designed to, uh, while help a golfer's arm swing with the least resistant synthetic fibers, and other modern technology and textiles have made it comfortable and stylish enough to become the new casual. When people see these influencers with their nice clean clothes and tennis shoes, it's how gamers in real life live out that identity. Now, in case you haven't wondered, yep, uh, Ninja does the same exact thing. It's like wherever he goes, you're like, yep, I got, he's got the iconic look. He's got the look. But it's not like, oh, yeah, it looks all grungy and, uh, you know, sweatpants and everything. Actually, it looks nice. I mean, granted, you can step it up a little bit. You don't have to be in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. Um, you can dress up a little bit nicer than that, but I, 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 I get it, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what else does this article say? Um, despite the recent merging of big brand, big money athleisure, and streetwear with gaming, fashion and video games have been inexorably bound for decades. At conventions, attendees and merchants wear and sell handmade t-shirts, dresses, hats, pins, and cosplay signaling their fandom for Overwatch, League of Legends, or any number of popular games. Not to mention the effort players of online role-playing games like World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy XIV devote to making their in-game avatars as gorgeous and expressive as possible. A devotion that lives on as more recent games like Fortnite and Grand Theft Auto have introduced paid skins. Those fashion-driven fashion efforts, or fan-driven, rather, haven't gone anywhere. But big corporations are increasingly maneuvering to cash in on today's so-called hype beast culture, creating anticipation around merch drops and cultivating a devotion to athleisure logos and lifestyles. Now, what's interesting here is, with the explosion of athleisure, will it be bound mainly to individuals or will become like a line of its own and kind of take on a life of its own outside of you know maybe the merge drops that happen from gamers or streamers or entertainers or esports players from time to time interesting we'll have to find out obviously it's still brand new everything's brand new but i know one thing that went right it's almost like two peas in a pod video game merchandise just perfect so yeah that's, uh, oops, me clicking a button and going all the way back to the beginning of the article, which I didn't want to do, but, uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting. What do you guys think? I'm always interested in your thoughts. We are on Twitter, at Tech News Gadget, if you want to share them on Twitter, or if you're watching via YouTube, let us know down in the comment section. Also, um, if you're actually catching up with this on the website proper itself, technewsgadget.net, you can go ahead and uh, leave a comment. You should be able to do that um, free of charge. All right. So for those of you still playing Pokemon Go, of which I'm one, um, we got some relevant news for you. Pokemon Go is getting a competitive league this month. So 
In case you didn't know it, it's about to get a lot more competitive. Today, Niantic announced the launch of Season 1 of the Go Battle League, which is exactly what it sounds like. A global competition where trainers can battle each other to earn in-game rewards. A preseason for the competition kicked off in January, but the full debut season will start on March 13th and last through the beginning of May. Here's the basic concept according to Niantic. During Go Battle League Season 1, trainers will be paired up against similarly ranked competitors through an online matchmaking system. The league's format will rotate between the three leagues, Great League, Ultra League, and the Master League. As trainers win battles, they'll climb the rankings with with each new rank, offering an opportunity to earn a wide variety of rewards. And they do have a video, in case you're wondering, that goes along with it. And actually, the link to this video is in the article um, that we're looking at right now. That's in the show notes. Players will be able to earn mythical creatures through the league, including Darkrai, Thundress, and... What the... (laughs) I'm trying to read his name. Gerantia, an altered form, as well as exclusive avatar items. Niantic also says there will be two in-game events around the league launch, one from March 10th to the 12th, and other from the 13th to the 16th, where more powerful monsters will appear in raids. Which is kind of interesting. The League looks like an intriguingly complex expansion of the PvP battles that were introduced at the end of 2018, and despite launching in 2016, Pokemon Go is still going strong. Last year was the game's most lucrative 12 months so far, so I guess uh, with that going right, they wanted to cash in on it and and continue uh, the trend with that. So if you're interested, well... You just heard the details, and uh, for me, will I be joining the league? Eh, probably not. I mean, there's really no reason. I mainly just like collecting and playing with friends, but uh, not really much remaining, and it's kind of winter right now, so it's a little bit of a toss-up here where I live. It's kind of difficult because when winter's here, at least in Wisconsin, um, people don't get out much, but it will change come summer. There's usually more people out and about, usually more people at Pokestops, a lot more action going around over at the gyms. So yeah, if it happens to last out through a, through warmer weather and I'm able to make it out and people are out and about, maybe I will. I mean, I still turn it on on a regular basis, but um, yeah, there you have it. And finally, the last article I have for you guys today is a new game out. It's literally just mowing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's actually a little image GIF video thing that's playing right now. It's pretty funny. Um, literally just mowing arrived on iOS and Google Play last week. It's been promoted as being about mowing some lawns. That's about it. Uh, but once the uh, author of this article actually played it, they found a mobile game like so many other mobile games rife with microtransactions and advertisements that ruin any sense of zen that it had going for it. I mean, for crying out loud, all you want to do was mow lawns. Um, it's literally just mowing is, at its core, very simple game about mowing lawns. You're given a patch of land to mow, you mow it, and then you move on to the next overgrown lot. Progression is tied to cleaning up streets, each with multiple lawns. As you rack up completed neighborhoods, an association of lawn care professionals ranks your progress, and rewards you with new hats. This provides a simple, entertaining feedback loop, as it were. That is, until the uh, insidious hallmarks of mobile game monetization are revealed. Loot boxes! No, I'm kidding. Every so often, it's literally just mowing shifts to a full-screen ad for another game. 
Can't blame them. It's free and the developers deserve to make a living off of what is a pretty solid game, but the sheer frequency with which these mini commercials interrupt gameplay is kind of killing it. Um, the author actually went through a stretch where they got an ad between every level, seriously throwing off any sense of rhythm the game would otherwise have achieved. And I actually have an image up here on the screen. Naturally, players can remove ads completely by paying a one-time fee of four ninety nine. Now, if you're going to spend much more time with it's literally just mowing, you probably wouldn't have any problems, you know, throwing five dollars their way. It's really just a cup of coffee. The payment also nets you twenty five hundred gems, the in-game currency that allows folks to purchase additional loot boxes. Uh, oh yeah, you heard right. It's literally just mowing has loot boxes. Why? Well, <sighs> I don't know why. <laughs> players can earn loot boxes by playing the game, which then takes hours to open, or players can purchase them using gems. The in-game currency is also doled out sporadically, quick enough so that you don't forget about it, but slow enough that spending real money on it becomes a tempting proposition. These gem packages range from $0.99 cents for $500 all the way up to $49 for $32,000. While not a wad-gouging game, uh, loot boxes range from 2,500 to 500 gems in cost, and it's still distracting from the relaxing experience that it's literally just mowing could have been. Now, which begs the question, was this game supposed to be a relaxing type of game where you could just enjoy mowing lawns and, uh, and simple entertainment that comes from it, or did you want to be interrupted and have to pay money all the time? I don't know, I, but whatever it is, it's an interesting experiment into the human psyche just how long can you push somebody until you drive them nuts without even introducing them to angry birds well it's literally just mowing might literally just do that um but yeah the <laughs> the author wants to <laughs> make it known they're not trying to be an arc or anything by criticizing the monetization and it's literally just mowing developers put out a great game and they deserve to see some sort of return for their work they're just a little bit disappointed um because uh, for some, mowing the lawn has one has been a uh, enjoyable outdoor activity, uh, but you kind of can't do that if you constantly keep getting diverted away from microtransactions and loot boxes. So, I mean, I understand they want to get their money. It's almost like why don't you just have a free version and then throw ads and drive them nuts to actually have them upgrade to the pro version. Or five dollars or twenty dollars or however much you feel your game is actually worth if the developers are listening and then just have the people pay that price and then just give them the game just say here's the game enjoy have fun don't throw loot boxes at them don't do anything else just let them have fun you i think you'll find out you have a lot happier user base after that so oh my goodness it's at the 30 minute mark i should probably wind up the show Oh, look at that. We're done with the articles. Well, why don't we do that? <laughs> you guys are like, what's going on? I don't know. I'm kind of losing it. It's like, can you tell I'm tired? But uh, that wraps up this episode of the Lace and Tech News. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes every weekday. The Lace and Tech News can be found on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, let us know by clicking that like button and by leaving a comment if you're watching via YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, be sure to share this episode 
with a friend. Also, double check that you are subscribed so that you don't miss the next episode. I'm your host, Taylor American. Remember, for the latest in tech, gadget, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much keep being awesome, guys. I'll see you on the flip side.